Father, we are just so grateful. This incredible family who comes together every week, who truly lives life together and celebrates being called children of God. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for just the worship we were able to experience, communing with you through these sacraments. And now as we open up the word of God, we pray that our hearts would be ready. God, soften our hearts right now. Open up our minds to receive from heaven the things that you want to deposit into our hearts. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I served at an Assemblies of God church for about 11 years. And down the street from our church, we had a mega church that my mom has gone to since I was in third grade. And it's a non-denominational church, but they really came out of the Southern Baptist Convention, right? So uh, they don't have a whole lot of uh, altar trainers there. As you know, uh, Baptists, they have a belief in cessation that uh, in the first century, along with the apostles, signs, wonders, miracles, those type of things passed on. And so it was funny that this mega church knew that there was an Assemblies of God church down the road. So anytime they had demon-filled people or sick people that wanted supernatural healing, they sent them on our way without even asking us. <laughs> so we had this revolving door of people who were afflicted by the devil and dealing with all types of stuff. But one always stands out to me. It's because this person was on their staff. It was their maintenance leader at this huge church, and he had stage four cancer. And so his daughter came up to our church, the Assemblies of God Church, and said, hey, I know we send a lot of people your way, um, but would you be willing to come to my church and lay hands on my dad and, and that he could be healed of this? I said, absolutely. And so I went on his lunch break and uh, went into his office and sat down with him. And, and I just said, share your story. Tell me, you know, what's going on? And he shared about his life and he shared how he feels he's too young and he just got this this disease, and he wants it gone, and he was so desperate. He would try any medicine, any food, any prayer, anything that he had to do to get well. He's like, I am game. I said, well, that's a lovely place to be. If there's one good thing about sickness is it really opens your heart to what God can do in and through you. And so I did a short and a very simple prayer. In the name of Jesus, I command this cancer gone, that you would bring him to full restoration. Not a flowery prayer, I didn't poetically declare things over his life, just right down to the point. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from the daughter, and she says, you'll never believe this. And I said, try me. <laughs> and she said, he is completely healed. Cancer is gone. He had a screening, and he was completely gone. And that, that left a mark on my heart because it showed me not only the power of God, and I've seen crazy miracles in my 20 years of ministry, but what this showed me is how incredibly potent and powerful ministering to the sick can really be. It's not just getting rid of a sickness or a disease in somebody's life. It's really giving them an encounter with the Father of love. It's displaying God's kingdom upon somebody in a tangible, manifested way. And it completely changes life, not just on his level of, of health, but on his soul and what he saw his God do for him personally. So we're starting a brand new series today called Powerful, F-U-L-L. And I want to talk about supernatural ministry in the areas of healing, prophetic deliverances. I mean, uh, just uh, ministering to those who are afflicted by the enemy, uh, supernatural evangelism, and, and preaching the gospel. Just want to very briefly and lightly go through these things. And today, specifically on healing ministry, because I honestly believe it's one of the best ways to tangibly express God's love and his power. We can bring a meal to somebody. We can be a shoulder for somebody to cry on. But when you move in supernatural power and it changes their life, they're fully open to the goodness of God. 
And I believe it's God's heart. I believe it's his will. Second Peter 3, 9, it says that God does not desire that anyone would perish, but that all would come to salvation. It's in the heart of God to see his children walking in complete wholeness and in peace. Now we know God is sovereign. He's boss man. He's in charge. He can do whatever he wants. He can wave a hand and an entire nation can be healed. But isn't it interesting how the father is always in the business of using his sons and daughters to carry out his will on earth? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, he tells his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Wherever you go, whatever you do, do these things. And whatever Jesus tells his disciples, we can be confident he's telling us as well. Because those 12 were not just the only disciples of Jesus. There were multiple, and we are disciples of Jesus. So if he said it to the 12, he's saying it to us that we can lay hands on the sick and we can see them recover. It's the will of God for our lives to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's one pastor who was uh, ministering at the altar uh, years ago, and a guy comes up to him, probably in his mid-20s, and he says, you know, can you pray for me? I just want to know what God's will for my life is. He goes, oh, I know what God's will for your life is. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. He goes, no, 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 no. You know, I mean, like, what's his will for my life? Like, should I stay single and serve him? Should I get married? And this pastor goes, well, what do you want to do? He goes, I, I want to be married. He's like, great, get married. Then heal the sick, <laughs> raise the dead, cast out demons, and cleanse the lepers. It's like, no, I, I understand that. But like, should I work in children's ministry? Or, you know, I have a calling? Or, or should I, you know, do what I've been trained in college to do? And he goes, what do you want to do? I love working with kids. I would love to serve the kids. Great, go serve the kids and teach them how to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and cleanse the leper. It's not rocket science. We are to be fully in love with God, and whatever he deposits in our soul, obey it and go forward with it. And it's very simple what he laid out, but there's some things that can kind of get in the way of, of us carrying out God's will, and mainly that is fear, a lot of fear that we go through. You know, not every church believes that healing is for today. You know, there's over 10,000 different Christian denominations because we all can't agree on the same thing. And we interpret the Bible differently. Some think Jesus coming back before. Some think Jesus already came. Some think he's coming afterwards. Some think healing for today, no healing for today. And there's multiple things that are going out there. But the bottom line is that we must have a heart of love for each other. There's an old saying, and actually the... Uh, Foursquare has adopted this in our 22 uh, doctrines that we believe in what's called moderation. And moderation means that we are going to be unified in the essential things. And we're going to have freedom to believe in the non-essential things, but in everything we need to have love. So in the main things, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. But in everything, charity, which is love. And that's what we should. As believers, if we have different opinions, that's perfectly fine but we should not mock and belittle and make fun of other believers based on what we are convinced of in the scriptures. And there's many people who have done this, pastors who bash other pastors, one denomination that bashes another. Uh, more recently, a few years ago, a couple ministers, John Piper and John MacArthur, well-known in Christian circles, have written study Bibles, best-selling authors, mega church leaders, awesome people for the kingdom of God, but a couple years ago, they came out with a book and a conference called Strange Fire. Strange Fire, it was a warning to watch out for those Pentecostals and Charismatics. Strange Fire was when they brought a fire that wasn't ignited by God into God's altar, and it was disobedience. But instead of just teaching against some uh, excesses 
in the kingdom. We know that some people who claim to be healers, they get all your money and they abuse it. But we can't let the abuses of some people dictate what the word of God tells us to do. But this pastor just belittled like TBN, made fun of all the preachers that were on there and just mocked his fellow believers. And I'm like, we should be doing that. You know, if we have difference of opinions, what can we agree on? And what we can agree on is giving the love of God away, preaching the gospel, and keeping the main things the main things. There's a big issue here, but the bottom line is that if we can't get rid of fear in our hearts, we're going to do things like that, mocking each other or saying, well, this guy's walking in supernatural ministry, and I'm too afraid to do that for a bunch of reasons, so I'd rather shoot them down to my level than to try to ask God to get up to that level of supernatural ministry. Fear can stop you. God has given you the Holy Spirit. He has anointed you. He has given you authority to do all these wonderful things. But if you have a fear of embarrassment, what if I pray and they don't get healed? What if I pray and it fails and this person doesn't get their healing because of me and my littleness of faith? You know, what, what if I pray for somebody and it doesn't happen and it proves to them that God's not there for them and they walk away from their faith? All the what ifs that we can think of. And we have to get rid of this fear and walk in his perfect love. Uh, Pastor Wally actually preached my sermon during a communion time. He used Psalm 103 and Matthew 8, which Matthew 8 is what we're going to study this morning. But Psalm 103, it says that to bless the Lord all my soul because he heals all of our diseases. These aren't cute statements. This isn't poetry. These are promises from the divine. These are promises from heaven. In Acts 10, 38, it says that Jesus was anointed and full of the power of the Holy Spirit, going about healing those who were oppressed by the devil. It's very simple. God is good. Devil is bad. (laughs) It doesn't get any more simple than that. Diseases don't come from God. They come from the enemy. And Jesus walked around giving people freedom from the enemy and what he tried to bring in their lives. In John 10, 10, we know this so faithfully that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life to its fullest. So the bottom line is this is God's heart, it's his will. And fear can make us stop what God wants to do in and through us, but we have to fulfill what God has called us to do. So there's some encouragement that we see in a story in Matthew chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can go with me. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 8, and I'm going to read the uh, first about 15 verses. It's an amazing story, but within this story, there are like, life application, direct encouragement that we get from Jesus on how he ministered to the sick. And I believe that we can glean from today. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. As always, I'm reading out of God's favorite translation, the New American Standard, 1995 edition. I'm saying it like it's a classic car, aren't I? It's like, oh, 95 models, way better, bigger engine. Verse 1, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I want to stop there for a second because he didn't say, Jesus, heal me. He said, Jesus, if you are willing. There's another story where they come up to Jesus and said, if you are able. And Jesus almost like, if I can, I'm Jesus. But saying if is powerful because am I not worthy enough? Have I not done enough for you? Am I not good enough of a person? If you are willing. And Jesus said, uh, in verse 3, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. We need to know the heart of God. It's that he is always willing. He always wants to touch us. 
Verse four, and Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present an offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. It's so great that Jesus never turned people away from him that wanted healing, and he was always willing to go to them. There's times in our lives where Jesus needs to come to us and times when we need to seek Jesus out, but he's always willing. He says, I will come, come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority with soldiers under me and say to this one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Here you have the Savior of the world who saw faith, just a little bit of faith in somebody, and he marveled at how confident he was in the Word of God. He says, you are Jesus. You are Messiah. You have a 100% perfect track record of healing people. You don't even need to come to my house. Just say a word, and I believe in my heart that my servant is going to be healed. And Jesus marveled at that. In verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and recline at my table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, and it shall be done for you just as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. And then 14 and 15 to me is one of the most hilarious little stories in the Bible. Verse 14, when Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law laying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and waited on them. So Jesus comes to Peter's house and he goes, oh, hey, your, your mother-in-law's here. She makes those sandwiches, right? And he goes, yeah, but she can't fix anything right now. She's sick. He's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> and he touched her and then she was able to wait on them. I, that's how I see it. That's just the Rudy International version. That's how I see it. But also notice that Jesus was able to heal somebody with just a word, not a flowery prayer and not all this tactics and theatrics, but he was also able to heal somebody without even saying anything, just a touch, and they were physically made well. So lots of things that we can learn here, and a few things in your bulletins you can fill in if you're taking notes. The first is what we have to get settled in our heart. Number one, God wants you well. 100%, God always wants you well. And, and when that person was healed in, I believe, Acts chapter 3, uh, the beggar at the temple, it says that he wasn't only healed of his paralysis, but he was leaping for joy, and he went into the temple of God, in which he hadn't been there in years and years and years. The whole man was healed. God wants you to thrive in your body, soul, and spirit. He wants you well. I remember when I was in my first church, non-denominational, um, I wanted to go to Bible college. In fact, there's some people who almost forced me to go to Bible college. They saw that I was going to be a pastor and say, get your butt into Bible college, hurry up and do it. So I signed up for the nearest one that was close to me, uh, David Jeremiah's um, Bible college. It's a Baptist uh, type of a college. And I took my first year of Bible college there and I'm studying, I'm learning. But in the end of my first year, I was laid off from this mega church and I went to the Assemblies of God church. So it's Pentecostal. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, see the supernatural power of God. So my perspective has changed a little bit. 
And I started thinking, you know, maybe I should go to more of a Pentecostal university, in which I did, the Foursquare uh, University. I finished my degree there. But there was one event that I knew that God had told me, you got to get out of this college and you need to go to the Pentecostal one. And it was a student who came in just absolutely sick. I mean, just boogies running down. He was sweating. He, he did not look good. He looked five shades lighter. He was just not in a good place. Isn't it weird how that was normal back then? But if somebody walked in today with all those symptoms, you're like, you COVID monster, get away from me. It was a different world back then. But he comes in, he's, he's saying, you know, I can't stop. I have to be here because if I don't do this class, I won't finish this. And I still have to work and I still have to do this. And I have these three things I have to do this week. And he was just rambling on all these things that kept him busy. And a couple of the students there before class started, they said, huh, don't you think God is trying to teach you something? Don't you think God gave you the sickness to tell you to slow down? And I said, I'm in the back there and I'm seeing signs and wonders and miracles happen at my church. And I, and I said, you know, or here's, here's another option. We also have this thing called the Holy Spirit that gives us wisdom, that can tell us you're doing too much, you're sick, slow down, receive my healing. And it was at that moment that I, I knew I needed to go because there wasn't a strong belief of supernatural power of God. And more so, this belief that God is the one who's going to give us a sickness? No way. Sickness and pain do not come from God, period. He will use anything and turn it around for his goodness, but he is not the author of sickness, period. It is the ripple effect of sin, the ripple effect of the original sin, Adam and Eve, that has gone into this world. We live in a fallen world. There's, not everybody is saved. There's a welcoming of the enemy's work in people's lives who are, who are lost. Lots of things that happen, but they are not of God. Nowhere, nowhere in Scripture do I see Jesus in the Gospels look at a storm and bless it. Never do I see him look at a city that's full of people who are impatient and jealous and say, okay, well, I'm going to send them leprosy and that's going to give them better character. You just don't see that in the scriptures. You know, if I, as a father, had the ability uh, to put sickness in my wife's body, if I had the ability to give her a disease physically, okay, that's called abuse. If to my child, to my son, if I could say, well, you're acting up, your grades are slipping, so I'm going to shoot you a little pneumonia, and hopefully that'll wake you up to my love, and I'd get arrested. But yet, somehow, we believe that our father, that's the way that he operates with his children. We won't get in line. We won't get our acts together, so let me inflict you with something to waken you up. It's child abuse at the bottom. Jesus never blessed the storm. He never did those things, and it's important for us to fully understand God wants you well because the way we view God determines how we will receive from God. If you see God as one who can give you cancer, I'm going to back away a little bit because I don't want to do anything wrong in his presence. I'm going to be terrified of God. There will be separation because I, 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 I'm stepping on eggshells, and if I do anything bad, he might get me. But if you see him as a God who is of love and of power and wants you well, you, he's going to be the one that you run to in your time of need, bottom line. And let me just address the elephant in the room because when you talk about healing, the number one question I will get as a preacher when I talk about supernatural healing is why do some people get healed and some people don't? Let me give you the best answer in the universe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why some get healed and some don't get healed, but you know what? It's not, I believe it's not my idea to try to figure that out. I don't believe that it's, it's my job to, to go into that because Nowhere in the scriptures do I see Jesus teaching on unanswered prayer. Nowhere in the scriptures do I see Jesus saying, well, 
you, you were really bad at this, so here's the things you need to work on to make this work better for you. Jesus had a 100% track record, and I'm called to be like Christ, to be Christ-like. So until the day that I am praying for the sick and I'm seeing 100% results, I'm just going to keep after it. I'm going to keep growing my faith. I'm going to keep strengthening myself in the Lord. I'm going to keep doubt and unbelief out of my heart, and I'm going to go for it. And every person that I pray for, sometimes they get healed, sometimes they don't. But the bottom line is, this life isn't the pinnacle of our joy. It's not the highlight of our eternity. We are on planet Earth for a number of decades, for such a time as this. We are on assignment here, people. God has put us here and given you a calling and given you a talent, given you a spiritual gift to carry out his will. And what is our reward? Eternity in his presence of joy. As, as much as I am I'm sad for one who tragically passes away, I'm also jealous because heaven and being in his presence and all that we can experience in his glory far outweighs what we can go through here. So if you get healed, praise the Lord. If you don't get healed, we'll keep working on it. And if you end up passing away to the glory of God, you're in his arms. And we can only celebrate that. So as hard as it is for us sometimes to think like, why isn't this working? Why didn't I get healed? We need to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and say, mm-mm. I'm only going to focus on your presence, on your promise, and on what you said. And I will keep filling my heart with faith and filling my heart with all I need. You know, because the bottom line is the scriptures say that you need faith the size of a mustard seed and you can move a mountain. We all have been given a measure of faith. So you only need a tiny bit of faith to see God do a work in your heart. But you know what else? We can also have a mustard seed side of unbelief in our hearts. And though I don't believe that it's up to you, there's a lot of preachers who say, well, you didn't get healed because you don't have enough faith. Or you prayed, but you know, you had unbelief, you, you had hidden doubt in your heart, and that's why it didn't happen. No, our lack of faith does not disqualify us from our healing. God is sovereign. He could do whatever he wants. He's boss man, right? But what unbelief does, what doubt does, is distract us from the one who has the answer. So our faith brings us closer to God and he can either touch us, heal us, or tell us who to go to or what to do to find our healing. But doubt and unbelief, they push us away and desensitize us to the voice of God. And now we're trying to scramble and figure it out on our own. So faith is so incredibly important, but we must not dwell upon why am I not getting healed? No, we'll leave that up to God. We're just going to continue to obey and do what he has called. Not to question, but to obey. If, this, if the Bible tells me As a human being, I can defy the laws of gravity and the scriptures say, jump and you will fly. I'm going to have a lot of bruises on my body, but the Bible said it, so I'm going to do it. I'm not going to question it. You know, there's some crazy things that we can't wrap our minds around that the scriptures tell us to do, but we can wrap our heart and our spirit around it, to trust and to obey, to trust and only to obey. So we need to understand that God wants you well. The second thing is that we expand God's kingdom by our work. Expanding God's kingdom is our work. There's a church up in Northern California, and every day a roadrunner, y'all remember roadrunners? If you're of the generation of me and beyond, you remember Looney Tunes and the coyote and the roadrunner, meet me, right? So this roadrunner came to the pastor's office glass door on the outside every day with a lizard offering. (laughs) Every single day, every single day. And finally, one day, the roadrunner actually got inside of the church. A door had been opened. The roadrunner got in. The door closed. Now, meet me was happening all around the church. 
And the staff was very passionately trying to catch this roadrunner because they have now it's their friend. You know, they, they grew to love this thing that shows up every day. But unfortunately, there was a long hallway and the roadrunner got spooked and it took off in full flight and slammed against the glass. And it just dropped dead right then and there. And the, the pastor goes and he picks up the roadrunner and he lays hands on it. In the name of Jesus, I command resurrection, you know, and he's trying to, and it didn't, it didn't happen. It didn't work. And they were sad, but it was in that exact moment that the Lord spoke to this pastor and said, the things that I'm doing inside of the church, if it doesn't have a way to get out, it will die. We are not called to be a country club. We're not called to just come together, just us, and see God do powerful things within these walls. We're called to be ignited in the power of the Holy Spirit and carry that spark out to wherever we go. And if we can't allow what God is doing from in here to be expressed out there, we're going to see things dwindled. It's a stewardship in what we are, are holding on to. Expanding God's kingdom is our work. We are on a battleship. We are not on a cruise ship. We have an assignment to do and to carry out, and we got to get past fear so that we can do so and walk in our destiny and our identity and our authority and the calling that we have. We have so many promises. Mark chapter 16, he says, go and preach the gospel to all nations. And in my name, you will perform signs and wonders. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We have so many promises from God to go about doing the work that he has called us to do. We have an assignment and we should have a confidence and a joy in the assignment that he has given us to carry about. And we're on the winning side. We have God in our corner. James 5, 17 says that if any of you is sick, bring them to the elders of the church and they will lay hands, anoint you with oil and the sick will recover. God has told us clearly how we can do this. And it's not about looking at the, the results of our prayers, but it's coming together as a family and believing the assignment that he has given to us. When people are sick, when they have a disease, they are desperate for God. And what an opportunity to bring them heaven. What an opportunity to show them God's love and his power in a tangible way. We are the messengers. So expanding God's kingdom is our work. We're not just to learn about healing so that we can be free of sickness. We are to learn of God's healing and take risk in the faith so that we can expand his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And lastly, as final thing, healing ministry should not be a wonder. Healing ministry should not be a wonder. We got to stop overcomplicating things, right? So on Main Street, there's three guys that open up a taco shop on the same week on the same street. And of these three taco shop owners, the first one on the first day, puts a sign out and says, best tacos in America. The next guy, he says, okay. He puts out a sign and says, I have the best tacos in the world. Now, Jose over here in the last taco shop owner, he says, wow, in America and in the world, I don't know how I can top the world. But the next morning, when they opened up their doors, there was a line all the way around the block from the third taco shop owners. Nobody was at the first two. Why? Because the taco shop owner, the third one, he put out a sign that said, best tacos on this street. <laughs> Who cares about America? Who cares about the world? I'm talking about right here, right now. Keep it simple. We cannot overcomplicate the things that God tells us. If he says, lay hands on the sick and command healing, that's all we got to do. Whether it's a touch, whether it's be healed. And in fact, Jesus calls us to heal the sick, not pray for the sick. Big difference. We pray that God can do what only he can do, but we command the things that he has given us authority to do. It's a big difference. It's a confidence and a faith deal that we heal the sick in the name of Jesus. It's so simple. Somebody is sick. Say, what's going on? What's happening in your body? 
Awesome. Well, let's lay hands. In the name of Jesus, I command whatever that is to be gone, to be healed in the name of Jesus. Leave it at that. And then your job after that is not to keep, you know, contending and warring in prayer, you know, intercede for them. But don't overcomplicate it. Continue to disciple them. Send them articles on healing. Send them testimonies on healing. Send them things that's going to build their faith and encourage them. Take them out to lunch. How is it going? Are you struggling in your heart? Do you have some fears? Let's pray about that. It's a relationship type of a deal. It shouldn't be programmed. It shouldn't be this overcomplicated thing. Very simple. We are called to give his love and his power away. And we can do so simply. And we can see God, who only he can, do the great work. And I'll close with this. A very inspiring story and very, very clear as how simple these things can be. Uh, John G. Lake, uh, 100 years ago, uh, had an amazing ministry of healing, so much so that the local uh, hospital shut down because they lost patients because everybody was getting healed in that area because of this healing revivalist. I mean, he actually got arrested, I think, one time because they said he was practicing medicine without a license. So I'm not using medicine. I'm using the power of the Lord (laughs) and healing people. And he began a thing called the healing rooms, and they're still active and going today. If you've never heard of a healing room, it's a church that sets aside a specific area with trained up people, and they're there either 24-7 or at certain times of the day. And if you're sick, you come to these rooms, and people who are on fire and trained up will lay hands on you and and will believe for the miracle. Well, there's this one in Northern California, big healing room, and a guy heard about all the things that were happening there. People were... um, a paralyzed leg was now they were able to walk on it. People would have something as simple as pneumonia, be healed. Uh, blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were open. Powerful testimonies were coming out of this place. He had stage four cancer. He had no more hope. It was done. It was a miracle or he was going to go see Jesus and he wanted to live. He wanted to live. So he says, I'm going to take the five and a half hour drive to this church and I'm just going to believe God for a miracle. So he shows up, he fills out the form, you know, this is what I have, stage four cancer. I want immediate healing. Uh, I'm an introvert, so please don't touch me. <laughs> don't, don't push me on the head. Don't lay hands on me. I don't want to be touched. Just pray for me, right? So he walks into this place, and there's workers all over, and a 12-year-old little boy walks up to him, calls him by name. And he says, how did you know that? And then he puts his hands firm on his face <laughs> and declares healing in the name of Jesus. The guy's like, oh, my gosh, right? And he got offended so offended. He goes, I drove five and a half hours to get here. And granted, this guy was not a believer. He came to a church because he heard of miracles, not a believer. So he comes to this place where there's trained people who can heal the sick, and a little boy comes up to him and touches him when he's not supposed to touch him. But he was healed immediately. And that healing led to his salvation. And two years later, he began working as an altar worker in the healing rooms in the very place that God delivered him. I'm telling you, healing should not be overcomplicated. It should be simple. And regardless of the results, we are looking to heaven. We're looking to heaven on earth. We're looking to heaven as our joy. And we're going to trust that God can do the work that he has promised. What we're going to do in the years that God has given us on this planet is grow the muscle of faith in our hearts, is strengthen the joy that we have in him, is to get doubt and unbelief outside of our body and away from our hearts as far as possible. And that's where I believe God can do the mighty work. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you have put us on this planet. And in John 16, you said that in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. It rains on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world and bad things sometimes happen to good people. But oh, do we have a hope 
Oh, do we have a strength and a joy in you, a power in the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, that as a good and loving Father, you didn't put us in this war zone without tools, without weapons, without power, without strength. You have given us a promise of our healing. You have given us an assignment with a purpose and with a dream and a vision. So thank you, Father, that we are not left as orphans, but you have come to us and filled us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you now that as we can go about being an extension of your hand and being your mouthpiece to hurting and lost people, sometimes it's an encouragement, sometimes it's a, it's a sermon, but many times, Father, it's the laying of a hand on a hurting and sick person and them being able to encounter heaven for themselves. In the name of Jesus, I impart a supernatural boldness into my friends here today. I pray, God, that you would give us an increase of faith supernaturally that doubt and fear would be completely displaced. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God, as, as beginning a ministry here at Southgate, that in the years to come, we trust you for signs, wonders, miracles, and for the power of heaven to invade this place. Thank you that Duncanville will be changed. Thank you that North Texas will be changed because of the work you want to do here. We trust you and we keep our eyes fixed upon you where all our hope comes from. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, looks like I'm getting you out just in time for the Cowboys game. Pray for me. My Titans have lost their star player and facing the Rams tonight. I'm trying to get doubt and fear and unbelief out of my heart, all right? God bless you, family. Have a wonderful day.